When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Rose and Jamie are two best friends And they love sex and the city And they couldn't help but wonder Do you love it too? Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, Charlotte, Cosmos, Cheese, So many dudes. Every single dude All the dudes And we couldn't help but wonder With Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee. And I'm Rose Cerno. And this is Couldn't, Couldn't Help But, but wonder. wonder. A podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Hello. Hi. I thought Jamie bought a cabin. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because she, you, it you was a this... fun text to receive because I was like, oh, it's like, it is like a cool thing to like even I fantasize like, about buying a cabin. Buy a cabin because because you were like, I love my cabin, and I didn't see anyone in it, just you. And I was like, <laughs> Did Jamie just like go to her cabin that she owns? I was really excited. Selfishly, oh I really wanted God. you to own that cabin. Okay, well, I might at some point because the real estate where I was is very very reasonable. To is it a crazy degree? Yes. <sighs> Like Just buying a cabin a is cabin. very, very possible. I mean, I was like, maybe I buy a vacation home before I buy a regular home. <laughs> or maybe you just like, all of a sudden you're like, I live in like Arrowhead. Yeah, you yeah. just convert to all vacation all the time. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It was it was so fun. We basically. Yeah. Who were you? This oh, yeah. Week? Who was I this week? OK, well, I you know what? Oh, I was a reverse Carrie because <gasps> Ooh, Carrie cowgirl. hated. Yeah. Reverse cowgirl. Well, Carrie hated going to Aiden's cabin and she was like, ew, gross, squirrels, like wood, trees, gross. Um, I had the opposite reaction. We, on a whim, pretty, pretty last minute, decided to Airbnb this cabin in the woods. In, Beautiful. L- near Lake Arrowhead, overlooking Lake Arrowhead. Actually. Stunning. You can see it from the balcony, which was crazy. Um, yeah. And we had like a little quaint cabin Thanksgiving with two other friends who were staying with their friends who bought a cabin, bought a cabin nearby. Mm. Um, so it was like just the six of us. And yeah, I felt very not Carrie. I was like, I am loving this. I'm loving the fresh air. Mm. I'm loving even though it was really windy on Saturday night, like really intense winds that were like blowing these Christmas lights that were hanging outside. And I was like, this is so spooky and fun. It was great. It was the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. Oh, wow. Hands down. Wait, so you went with people that were staying with other people or they were staying okay. with you? So, yeah. So my friends, they have friends who actually did what I just said. They rent in L.A. and then they bought a cabin wow. at Lake Arrowhead. So cool. And so my friends were staying with them. And then all four of them came over and had Thanksgiving with Dan How and I. Nice. Actually, I should say made Thanksgiving for Dan and I. My That's friend so Heath great. is an amazing cook and he worked in restaurants. So he's like very talented at cooking Mm. in this very like beautiful meticulous way like when he made mashed potatoes he like chopped up chives and like put them on top and then like grizzled it with oil and he also made like 
celery root puree, which I thought was truly just like a garnish at fancy steak restaurants. And he just straight up made it. And it was so delicious. delicious. It was delicious. And he got like a special heritage turkey. How was the turkey? Special farm. So I hate turkey normally. Ah! I don't. Yeah, I don't love it. I always feel like in the past, it's like, it's not the turkey's fault. It's just, (laughs) I don't think the preparation is. Turkey's in the clear. Yeah, he's fine. It's just, I don't know. I always think they're like, the meat is kind of dry. And I think that I associate it with, this is a a deep cut from my childhood. But every year at my school, when I was in elementary school, we, we worked in tandem with a nursing home and we were each assigned an, a granny from the nursing home that my class you had to milk a granny. We had to milk a granny. Well, so we basically t- like took care of a granny. She was our class grandma. And we always had some Wait, kind of like odd. Thanksgiving luncheon with the grannies. Yeah, this and is... so I associate turkey with like nursing homes. Yeah, I, I keep thinking of like, I've heard of like a class pet, but usually it's not a human being. <laughs> we had that too. We had both. We had all it's of like, the things Did you, you remember to give her her medicine? Yeah. Oops. It's like, it's it like was... if, if little Tommy was irresponsible for the weekend, grandma went hungry. It's very upsetting. <laughs> it's like, it was like, yeah, I mean, it was her. a little, she definitely like, I guess there was a nursing home near our school. So it was easy enough to like bus the people over to our school. And then we would like present them with gifts and like. Yeah, it was actually That's a really nice. sweet program, um, but the food, there's something about turkey and gravy, and I just, I don't know, there's something about it that I associate with um, that. <laughs> so Wait, that would have been crazy all... if you were allowed to take the granny home, <laughs> like, like the class guinea pig, it's like the class grandma. <laughs> Our class pet, by the way, was just a straight up white mouse. <laughs> it was like just like Ew. a lab mouse. It was so gross. Ew, that's disgusting. That's very funny. And his name was Beavis because we it's all like love Beavis and Butthead. The, the like science class clearly got a deal on mice, yeah. and they were like, "Yeah, we could yeah, just send we, one over to Jamie's home." They're room. like, "Kill it, fry it, cut it open, make it a pet, like <laughs> yeah. whatever." I was so disappointed. I mean, like, yeah, not to throw shade at mice, but I mean, a gerbil, <laughs> a hamster, a chinchilla. I'd even take a hedgehog. Hedgehogs are great. Yeah. You know? I yeah, feel anything, like anything, anything. Yeah. Baby a little chick, more like something texture. Cute. Yeah. A little more like meat on its bones. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for like a fat gerbil, like a fat fuzzy <clears throat> gerbil. That's a perfect class pet. And he's named like Jabba the Hutt because he's like kind of just breathing and barely <laughs> Well, I learned so much about you. I'm so glad that you had such a wonderful Thanksgiving. <laughs> Um, it sounds yeah. like you went to a great school. Also, it sounds like it sounds like you don't like turkey, but this year was an exception. It was unbelievable. It was so delicious, like to the point where I'm like, oh, it sucks that that's just on Thanksgiving. I would eat that definitely more often. Um, yeah. So who who were you, Rose? Who was I this week? Um, I was kind of a carry. Um, I'm sort of like, uh, am I dating again? I guess I'm dating again. Okay. I'm like. Back on the apps and, um, you know, the whole entire show, Sex in the City, is about four women who just like, or honestly, it's like three women that overanalyze dating and one woman who's like, well, just fuck them. But like, <laughs> it's a lot of women just like thinking way too hard about things and like getting a sure. class consensus and ha- having everybody weigh in. Weigh in, yeah. Yeah. I feel and like that's like, a big part of dating is the weigh in. With your friends. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. yeah it's kind what of funny. What would you do without it's it that it's so important to have friends. It's important, but it's also kind of toxic to have friends weigh in, I think, in a weird way. Cause it's like, number one, it doesn't matter what they think. And number two, everyone's coming from a different place. And it's like, you know, I don't know, but I, that's true. It's a lot of mixed messages in your head. Yeah. I just had this like roller coaster experience with this online guy who I've like had some FaceTimes and some calls with. And, um, I just felt like a carry where I was just like, wait, I've done all this self work. I feel like I'm really grounded. Like, I can't believe all it takes is like one guy to just like uproot me and be and like, dismantle should I like, text him? And I'm like, what yeah. is this? Like, God, we're almost in That's our 40s. Of, honestly, like, I find what? that comforting. I find that comforting in a weird way because it's like, it is nice to know that some of it, yeah, like you can't kind of like self-help your way out of just like crushes and <laughs> men, women dynamics. Oh, I just don't want to be It's not comforting, crazy. but it is comforting because it's so, it's like such a simple thing that we all go through, I guess is what I mean. But it's also complicated. Yeah. You know, I think it's just like I have all these different like dating theories in my head and like I also have experience. So I have this like very traditional side of me that's very he's just not that into you. That's very like guys should do the leading and like they should kind of do the plans. And I mean, I could see a lot of younger listeners being like this bitch should be put out to pasture. But like. (laughs) It's really how I feel. And then there's another part of me that's like, okay, well, you you know, I was just chatting with somebody who was like texting me every single day and was saying really nice things and seeming super into it. And then I just did not hear from him for almost two weeks. And that's this guy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so this is done. I'm never contacting him again. Like, obviously, I don't like inconsistent behavior. No. And then I felt pretty like resolved about that. And then I was telling my sister about it and she was like, you know, my husband stood me up on our very first date together. Like, you just never know what people are going through. Like, it could just give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, you don't know. And I was like, uh. So I kind of just like reached out, but then took my sister's advice and like did it in this really passive aggressive way where I was like, hey, sorry, I've been so busy. Like, oh, my God, (laughs) Rose. Oh, M. Yeah, it's like so passive aggressive and like so so, what I love that approach. My sister's all about it. So funny to me. It's hilarious. I totally do something like that. I did it because my big sister who's married with a kid told me to do it. So I was like, fine. So I did it. Sorry, I've been so busy. It's I'm interested in this strategy. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I've been pretty swamped. Like, how are you? Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And yeah. Like, really, the only excuse in my head for like not hearing from him was that like his mom died, he died. He got COVID. Like, if everything was fine, then I'm just like, this is not okay. Those are the three. Those are the three. And he was like, oh, good. Things have been good. And I was kind of like horrified. I was like, things have been good. Like, fuck you. Fuck you and your good things. Yeah. And like, technically, listen, technically within that time, I could have contacted him at any time. But because he was the one that was so like, Every day, like, hey, how's it going? Good luck on this thing. I was just waiting for him to continue doing that. And I feel like the fact that that had changed, I was like, that's kind of weird. So then I was like pissed that I kind of took that approach of being like, hey, I'm swamped because he was like, yeah, you know, everything's good because then I was annoyed and I was like, wait, so I'm just supposed to like pretend it's okay for people to just be super inconsistent. So then I kind of was like, I don't like that I took that approach because it's not real to how I feel. And my sister's like, it's way too early with somebody you haven't even hung out with them in person. It's not like it's been months. It's way too early to like give someone a guilt trip about like where they've been. And but I sort of disagree, honestly, with that. And so 
he was just being really nice and friendly and so was I. And then I just said, like, I have to admit I'm a little confused that I hadn't heard from you in a couple weeks. You're right. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, well, I've just been really busy, too. And I was like, God, I really fucked me with that busy comment. Oh, my God. <laughs> because now he's like, it takes two to tango. And here's the thing. It's like. I'm not saying that this person that I don't know very well should like shut off other options. I would just so much rather say to me, hey, you know, I'm dating online. I'm talking to people. I, I've been on a couple dates with somebody. I would just rather get the real shit than someone go really hard on me and then pull back yes. without an explanation. I just feel like even when I go on dates with people online, it doesn't even have to be that many. If they keep texting me and I know I don't like them, I say, hey, you seem really great and funny and fantastic. I'm just not feeling it. And everyone always appreciates it. So. The way I feel is it's not like I was like ready to like double down on this person. It's just if somebody radically changes their behavior, I think it's fair no matter how early or late in the game to be like, hey, like anything going on, I should know. Like, but, you know, there's a lot of philosophies like my sister who's just kind of like it's too early to even have those conversations. And I actually super disagree because I don't think it's too early to communicate. And I think it's. I, I disagree as well. I think that I wish it was illegal to <laughs> do what he did. Like, I wish it was. I think it's so it is the most frustrating thing. I've been in that position where someone is super consistent reaching out to you. That's You're what not I'm even saying. reaching out to them. They're That's reaching out to saying. you every day. Like I dated this guy and it was like I would hear from him by noon every single day. And then it got later and later and later and later and later. And then he just sort of like fizzled Dropped out. Off, right. And I was so grossed out. I was like, wait, what happened? I wish it was like, <sighs> I wish it was legally binding to be communicative when you're first dating. Well, it's just what because be, I- all of the games are so destructive. Like I understand what your sister's saying because I've had those thoughts as well. She thinks you have to play a game and stuff. Yeah, I, and I mean, I did it when Dan and I were first dating. I was the queen of playing games. Like, truly, just like, that doesn't bother me. That's fine. It's fine that I haven't heard from him. It's fine. I did all the it's fines. And then it got to a point where it was just like, yeah, that's just like not who I am. Like, we have to be a little more upfront about making plans. And like, I have to hear from you. And he he got it. He was like, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for telling me. But like, I just, I think that communication's so important for both parties and like i really wish there was like a contract in place to like make (laughs) people have to do it well also it's like one thing that my male therapist says is asking to communicate with people and asking like where did you go or what's going on or i need this only scares people that don't want to be in a relationship exactly or that aren't ready so the whole thing of like don't scare him it's like it's only scary for avoidance like yes because well because that's like that's almost like what you learn i haven't gone to Coda or like Codependence Anonymous, but that's what I hear they work on is like, you are not responsible for other people's feelings. Yes. Like you are responsible for your own feelings and like doing what is best by yourself. But like you cannot feel responsible for the outcome of how other people react. Yeah, I I felt like I sort of betrayed myself by taking my sister's cool advice because I was like, you know, it's okay, It's a learning experience. But I think it would have been better to be true to myself right up front and just been like, hey, is everything OK? I haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, because the truth is there's nothing embarrassing about that. It's embarrassing for somebody to act one way and then turn on a dime. And it's like and it's also not like you're like, I miss you. Like, no. I miss us. It's like you're just literally like acknowledging like, the pattern of he was being consistent and then he dropped off. Yeah. And it's like it's, and it's also it's like, guess what? This is a crazy time. People are depressed. People are having panic attacks. People's families are sick. People are dating other people. It's all fine. I just think what's not fine is just no communication. And like, 
You know, it's interesting, too, because pretending to be a cool girl is also not useful, especially for someone like me that's like not chill. Like I have anxious attachment style. I, I need to be with somebody who I'm comfortable and able to say, hey, like I'm a little I need consistency. Like I'm not a relaxed girl who can like casually date someone and see someone like once a week for six months and then wake up and be like, you know what? I really like this guy. It's never happened to me. I either like someone or I don't like I hear these stories. I have a friend who like hooked up with her husband casually for like six months mm -hmm. before they were married when she was like dating other people and they both like it was just so casual and then they just like casually slowly over time slipped in and it's like that's completely legit but that will never be me. It's like I know very quickly if I like people and it's not like I'm a girl who you can just like call once in a while when it occurs to you and I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Even the notion of like dating multiple people it's like I don't know what it is that is cringeworthy because it makes total sense. And it's definitely the way things should be in a lot of ways. Like I, I understand, you know, if you're trying to figure out what works for you, of course, you're going to like date multiple people. But even that has always just been a little I don't know. It's always I, dating has always been hard for me. I just have, I, I prefer relationships. Oh, 100 like percent. Yeah. And I was always just so bad at it. Like I remember. I remember I was dating this guy in New York when I was like really in my like Carrie Bradshaw days, like really trying to be that person who's like, whatever, like I can hook up, I can play the field, all this stuff, like being completely not true to myself. <laughs> and I remember I was dating this guy and he kind of like told me he was like sleeping with other women and in this very like confident kind of like empowered way. And I was just like, oh, okay. Like, and then even then I didn't even like him that much, but just knowing that he's sleeping with other people, I was like, this is not for me. I don't, I like feeling like the only one. I'm sorry. I'm an only child. This is what I'm used to. I'm used to being the apple of the person's eyes. I actually think that's just a sign of good self-esteem. I mean, I also feel like obviously everyone needs to do their thing. Everyone needs to date how they like yeah. to date. But I yeah, do also believe that when you like someone, you don't have I'm thinking of the word, the phrase in Spanish, like you don't have the ganas, you don't have the urge to date other people. When you like someone, you're not like, God, I wish I was like on a bunch of other dates. No. I feel like dating other people is just what I do if I'm not that into someone. Right. So then I just go around. But once you find someone you like, it's just not as. So anyway, I felt kind of like a carry because I was like overthinking and asking people for advice and blah, blah, blah. And now we're chatting again and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's early days. Who knows? But I do have this thing in my head from this article that I read. Hopefully I didn't already tell you guys this, but basically they were saying that like the predictor of like a healthy relationship between people is that both partners have something called CARP. And these are some qualities there. It's an acronym CARP, caring, attentive, reliable, responsive and predictable. Mm. So that means they show up when they say they show up. They call when they say they're going to call. They're reliable. They respond to you. They're attentive. And it's like so predictability is something that I think I, I know that in the beginning of relationships, it can be a roller coaster with even like reliable carpy people. I just think that like what people show you in the beginning is sort of important. I mean, lots of things can change. I think just because I've been around the block, I'm just really, really sensitive to like people that come on strong and then like ice down. It is such a mm -hmm. type. Yeah. I've had it happen more than once, almost to the point where I think I've, I've definitely said this on the pod, like when I've gotten into serious relationships, I always panic at the beginning because of experiences like you're describing. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, this is really good right now. Like he's being really consistent, but like wait for that other shoe to drop. You know, he's going to like fade out 
for no reason, like, because it just happens so many times. It's definitely like a dating style for some people. That's just how they date is like they come on really strong and then they fizzle. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, I just think it's good karma for people. And I try and practice it in my own dating of just being honest with people because people can handle it. It's like, you people can handle like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. It feels good for yourself to be like, I let them know. Like, it's a nice, it's a nice act. I, I think it's, it's something off your chest. Totally. Too. If you want to, if you want to make it like, what do I selfishly get out of it? That to me is what I would get out of it. It's, it's also like, treating people how you want to be treated. Oh, totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's uh, yeah. I wish that more people would do it. Me too. Hi everybody. Tim Heidecker here with huge news. We have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Okay. Okay, cool. So today we are covering season six, episode six. It's called Hop, Skip, and a Week. Rose, take us into it. So the episode kicks off with Carrie and Berger heading to court. She has jury duty and he's tagging along. Before they part, however, they have a tense moment. Carrie asks if he's going to do any writing that day. And he says, well, what the hell does that mean? It's rough, but Berger apologizes and makes up with a Hollywood style kiss, dipping Carrie low on the court steps. Inside, Carrie tries her best to get out of her jury duty. The clerk she speaks to isn't having it. And then over at Miranda's, she is scrambling to get to work. Magda arrives and takes Brady, who just will not stop crying. Miranda feels guilty because she's a working mom, but she loves her baby and he's crying, but she has to go to work. And Charlotte, meanwhile, helps out at her temple. A gaggle. I love that Charlotte is like fully into Judaism. I know. It's great. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's really sweet. A gaggle of older women noticed Charlotte wasn't coming in with Harry anymore. And they have a solution. One by one, they pitch Charlotte on dating their sons. Basically, she gets bombarded by a bunch of yentas. Yes. Over in Times Square, Samantha has a big reveal. She landed Smith a nude vodka modeling gig and the gigantic ad is officially official. And Carrie keeps waiting down at the court. It's a slog even after a man next to her pulls a mango out of his briefcase. She tells Berger about it later at dinner, like a fun little thing that they can laugh about because they're kind of in a tense relationship spot. Anyway, as they're sitting down, Charlotte pops in out of nowhere. She's on a terrible date at the same restaurant, and Carrie has got to help her. So, so Charlotte joins them at their table, but it quickly goes wrong. Burger's nitpicking and self-loathing makes things so uncomfortable, Charlotte ducks out. After dinner, Carrie and Burger's tension boils over. He hates that Carrie, quote, put him down in front of Charlotte. Carrie hates that he's not on her side. It's all a bummer. And it builds to Burger saying that they should probably take a break. He's got to head to his Hamptons house to think about the relationship. I knew we were having problems, but a break? What am I, some horrible job he needs to get away from? 
A break isn't always a bad thing. Oh, come on. It's a hop, skip, and a week from a breakup. Or it's the thing that saves you from saying the things that you wish you could take back, but you can't. If Harry and I had taken a break, then maybe I wouldn't be out on blind dates again. Hey, remember when a break was a good thing? Spring break, coffee break. Now it's break up, break down. They keep getting worse. What's next? Hip break? You know what I think? I think don't do that. Do what? Well, I'm sorry, I'm upset. Well, don't be. You'll be even more upset when your face is all lined. As far as I'm concerned, the test of a good relationship is, are you like this or like this? That is the test of a good relationship? Mm -hmm. Or a good dermatologist. Make fun. <laughs> but a bump in the road is never good, and you shouldn't bother staying around to find out how not good. Well, it's not all frowns. Burger and I have a lot of good stuff, too. It's complicated. Complicated by the fact that the man had to go all the way to Long Island to think this through. Maybe you can send him a postcard. That is the most blatant agenda pushing I have ever seen. And the most effective. Wow. I just wish I knew what he was thinking. Oh, who cares? Look at his pegs. I meant burger. It's so frustrating. What am I supposed to do? Just sit around waiting to find out whether he chooses me? I'm doing that all day at jury duty and it sucks. Here's an idea. Why don't you use this time to think about what you want? Remember you? What do you want? Hmm. I love that. That's amazing. God, because it, it's what I was thinking the whole time. And it's so nice that Miranda finally comes around and says it. So true, though. It's like even that story I was telling at the beginning, it's like it's like when you're entangled sometimes and maybe women do this more than men, but it's almost like it becomes more about does someone like you and are you going to be rejected than yes. like how happy are you even? A hundred percent rejection. Yeah. The fear of rejection. I mean, I can only speak for myself and well, probably a lot of people feel this way, but like it is so scary sometimes that like that is at least in my experience in the past, I would definitely stay with someone for longer just because the idea of breaking up sounded so brutal. So I was like, oh, let's just like wait this out versus just ending it because I knew it was wrong. Yeah, totally. I definitely remember moments where it's like I was so upset that someone was mad at me that I was or seemed like if a guy got distant or if I got guy got weird, I felt like I tasked myself with fixing it instead of looking at it and being like, wait a minute. Am I happy? happy? Does this even yeah. work for me? I felt like yeah. my number one priority was like, don't make him mad. Don't make him be disappointed totally. in you. And it's like, why? Like, what is that? Because I have that, too, where like I could want to break up with someone. And then if they are like, fine, then let's break up. I'm like, wait, are you breaking up with me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's such a fucked up power thing. I don't know. Well, I think, I think I always quote my, I always quote Josh Kaur to that Buddhist meditation teacher about this, where he's like, you know, animals have like sharp claws and sharp teeth and they can climb trees and they have all these things that enables them to survive. We don't have any of that. We're like a very fragile species. All mm -hmm. we have is each other. The only way we survive is like banding together. And so like deep in our lizard brains, like even breaking up romantically is like separating from someone and like separating from protection in the tribe. And it's yeah. like actually like kind of traumatic for us because we're like, oh, my God, we're alone. Like predators can get us. It's like the most subconscious wow. thing ever. Yeah. Wow, that is really interesting and good to know. 
Yeah, I've so never, never break up with anyone. That way. Stay in your bad relationships. Yeah, I mean, seriously, but that just, it's so nice to have that awareness. It explains. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, just like literally all of my 20s. <laughs> yeah, it just makes more sense like that. I mean, I think Berger's behavior in this episode is so intense. Like, even when she just asks him, like, on the stairs, like, so are you going to write today? Like, I mean, my friends who are writers, we write, we ask each other all the time, like, are you going to do some hours today? It's like, and for someone to fly off the handle um, is so inappropriate, honestly. You know what moment was so relatable to me is uh, like, you know, things are kind of on the fritz in the relationship. But then you're like grasping for straws and you're like, oh, like we could like, oh, I can't wait to text him about this mango I saw in this man's briefcase. Like I've had those moments where I'm like, oh, like we have to keep it going, even though, you know, it's on the decline because if it were in a good spot, you wouldn't be thinking so consciously about, Oh, that's a funny thing that I can text him. Like you're basically trying to, I don't know what the word is. Like you're, you're trying to orchestrate the, the thing that came so organically to you guys. Yeah. It's like really contrived. Like, Oh, I have to think of like what we're going to talk about. Yes. Yeah. I thought the scene where Charlotte like goes to them to escape this bad date and then realizes she's on an even worse date with them. Like, I feel like that is such a relatable thing when you're like either having a fight with your partner and somebody else is there or while you're there where people are fighting. It's such an uncomfortable thing. This was a really good depiction of that, too, because not only I feel like last time I like weirdly I felt like I was like sticking up for Burger, but I I didn't really mean it that way. And and this time I was his toxicity this time is so pronounced and so well rendered by the writing and by Ron mm-hmm. Livingston's performance here that it's just like the the sort of discomfort that I've had when I've been around like friends who are fighting or like my parents who are fighting was mm-hmm. like right in uh Carrie and Berger's dynamic here which was amazing yeah well, they're also in that zone where they are fighting about everything yeah it's like it's so toxic. it bothers it bothers him that she said she's allergic to what was it oh my god oh, yes yeah. i think it was like a parsley thing oh she yeah was, she yeah. said she said i yeah i i am allergic to parsley there can't be parsley on the food and then burger's like you're not allergic to parsley and she's like i hate it so that is the way i get the kitchen to definitely not put parsley on my food is i tell them i'm allergic and like even that bothering him like, it was so it, judgy, yeah, just so mm-hmm. irritable with each other at this yes. point. Yes. It's almost like an old married couple suddenly. Yes, that's so true. That's such a good point. Yeah, there were so many details about this. I also think, you know, I'm curious what you two think. You two have been in very long relationships, but I actually have come to a point where I think that the fight they got into and then him saying in the cab, I'm not talking to you about it. I'm just disappearing for in unknown amount of time and don't talk to me. I actually think that's maybe abusive is like not the word, but I actually don't think that's acceptable behavior in a relationship because something happened. They need to talk it out. And he's saying, I'm slamming the door in your face. Don't even contact me. And yeah, I have to go out of town. And he's acting like Carrie was like screaming at him and throwing plates. It's ridiculous. She was just saying, oh, hey, like we've been fighting. Can we talk this out? And he goes, no, I feel like that's a really rejecting, abandoning thing to do to somebody is when you're fighting just to disappear. In a way, because you basically start a thing and then she's I don't know if that's exactly gas. I know what you're saying. There's a little bit of that where it's like we started this fight. We're in this fight. And then it's like, I'm not fighting. I'm going to the Hamptons. Yeah, so you're I like, think- wait, but we're fighting. Like, be in the fight with me. Like, let's talk this out. 
Yeah, I'm, I almost took it as like him him feeling entitled to having just his version of events yes. and his reaction and yes. wanting to deny Carrie, wanting good, to deny Carrie to her it. version of the of events and her like take on everything. Well, it's also because this is his only way of like gaining power yeah. in his eyes. Like he feels so powerless. Yeah. Which is all in his head. Which is why it's so toxic because it's like a relationship should be us together, not us against each other. And like, he seems like it feels like a really one way competition. Like everything is like he's keeping score and he's and she's just from what I can see, just supporting him. And he's like, like, I don't need your help. Duh. Why do you think I'm like this? It's like it's it's like being in a relationship. I, I can really relate to that. It's just like being in a relationship with someone that's so insecure that like. It's just like they're having a whole relationship in their head with you. That's, yes. you know, like, yeah, I feel like Berger has a lot of time to think. And he has created so many storylines in his head between his dates with Carrie that like he really is in a different relationship. It's almost like that thing. Like, have you ever had that happen where like if you like have a dream conversation with somebody and then you yeah. see that person and yeah. you almost have this expectation that like they know about your yes. weird. Internal. Yeah, you're like mad at them for some yeah. reason. And they're like, I literally did nothing to you. That's I can't funny. really control your subconscious. Exactly. Yeah. You know yeah. what I think this uh, character burger is a good example of that we've heard in pop music. And, uh, you know, it's a it's an inspirational slogan and RuPaul uses it. But like he is an example of like you actually can't be in a relationship and love someone if you don't love yourself because yeah. Carrie's mm-hmm. ready to love him. She's supportive. She likes herself. She likes him. And he can't tolerate it because. Yeah. Wow. He doesn't like himself. So any kindness so feels self-loathing. Yeah. Any kindness feels like bullshit. Any any warmth feels like condescending. It's just right. It's just he doesn't believe that someone could love him because he doesn't love. Him. That's very he, sad. He, he does not believe that Carrie could be into him because he's like, I am the fucking worst. He's so depressed. Yeah. He's like the most depressed. Oh, there's the thing is with him. I, I like the depiction of this particular kind of toxicity, but I I. What I was referring to about talking about on the last episode is that I wish I just had a bit better of a sense of him as a person. Because it's like with Carrie, like his his backstory, like where he's at in his career, like obviously he's at this like kind of weird down point being dropped by his publisher. But like he has this fairly nice apartment. Like he's he has a house in the Hamptons, which is crazy. A house in the Hamptons must be like a million dollars. I still can't even handle that. He has a Hamptons house. This is the, this is the writers like not understanding. No, he has to be, he has to be like a best selling New York times. Why would he want a Hamptons? It's not his personality. A Hamptons guy. No, he's an East village guy. And that's the part that is confusing is because he's the East village, lower East side guy, or Brooklyn guy. It's, it, it almost makes, all of his choices like a little bit more murky because yes. yeah, that's he what I'm seems like at. a yeah. guy who's like not like he's into status in the realm of writers and novelists and all this stuff. Like he wants to be big in his world, but he doesn't strike me as like a, you know, like bumping elbows with like, you know, fucking Howard Stern and Beth Stern, yeah. you know, on the weekends at parties. Like, so it's a little confusing to me. I feel like in that one character description in that one little character moment of he has a Hamptons house you're like oh this kind of unravels everything I thought about Burger. agreed yeah that's where I come down on it where I'm like I don't totally understand this person as a person yeah and I would I think it would be helpful to get a better sense of him as a person hmm. yeah it just makes it a little confusing but if we if we lost the Hamptons house I think he's pretty specific yeah I yes, agree agreed 
Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, moving on. Back at Miranda's office, she is frazzled again. This time, however, it is in a meeting, which turns out to be more of an ambush. Her firm feels she's been dropping the ball at work lately and they needed to say something. She reminds them that when her mother died, she got right back to work. So she doesn't appreciate them getting on her out of nowhere. I thought that scene was like an excellent scene. Like it was Me almost too. like a scene from a drama. And I mean, and might I remind you when my mother died, I was back in the office on Monday. It's an amazing. I mean, she's such, such a superlative actress and such a great, great Incredible. line. But yeah, the Miranda storyline in this episode really makes my blood boil. Um, Same. Yeah. They're also one of the two lawyers in that meeting is played by Rosemary DeWitt, who's like a oh, very yeah. big actress. Yeah, which she is was like, yeah, in Someone Gets Married. Right. Rachel's Getting Married yeah, or something. She's Rachel. She yeah. gets married and, and Rachel yeah. gets getting married. And yeah. she also was in uh, Mad Men. Fires Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Samantha catches up with Smith at a bar. She's drinking an absolute hunk, a new drink based on his ad. Smith, unfortunately, isn't loving the attention. If it was getting him auditions, that would be one thing. But his sober friends are pissed that he's shilling alcohol and his mom is mortified. Samantha tells him to lighten up while a group of gay guys give him a toast. Charlotte heads out on another date with one of the Temple sons, and it goes about as well as the first one. This guy is openly gay, even if his mother disagrees. They do have a nice moment, however, when they run across Smith's vodka ad. Charlotte mentions knowing him, but she also mentions that the absolute hunk is, in fact, straight. Back at the temple, Charlotte runs into another mother looking to set her up. Only her son, David, is actually good looking. Um, Before I go into David, I do have to say, just to in case any of the listeners didn't watch this episode, Samantha does give advice to Smith where she says, First, it's the gays, then it's the girls, then Hollywood comes calling just because there's a there's a runner of like all these gay guys like. Yes. Yes. Heading on him. Also, um, the lady's son, David, who's actually good looking that Charlotte is set up with is on the show Younger. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. He plays the boss. Uh huh. Handsome. Oh, I did not realize that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's great. So then Miranda makes it home only to miss Brady again. He's already asleep. Magda said he's been asleep for an hour. Miranda just resigns herself to knocking out some work. The next day, Carrie is shopping when she gets a call from Big. He's surprised to hear Carrie and Berger don't seem to be working. Carrie decides she's got to talk to Berger. So she rents a car, but she quickly decides it's too big of a move and she returns it. Carrie talks it over with Miranda instead. What did I think I was going to do? Badger my boyfriend into being with me? Well, that's one option. I just keep thinking, you know, if I, if I stick with it, you know, just try it a little harder. Carrie, you know how much I like Burger, but come on. No one can accuse you of not having tried. You did good. I mean, Burger can be threatened and insecure, and sometimes he shuts down, but... But he's also smart and funny, like, he made up this thing, this, this Hollywood kiss thing. Whenever we're being pissy with each other, we do this fake Hollywood kiss bit. That makes us laugh. You guys need a bit? I know, it isn't working. Why is it so hard to admit that? God, I gotta break up with him. If he ever comes back. Mm. Oh, Galeen! Oh, look, here's the money. Hey, guys! <laughs> there we back. go! Yeah! Um, Mom, I'll see you at 8 tomorrow. Thanks! 
Thank you for everything. It's okay. Don't cry not to be back tomorrow, huh? Hey, I missed you today. How are you? Bye-bye, baby. No, no crying. How are you, darling? Bye-bye. What's wrong with him? Heartbreaking line. I know. Magda sounds so loving in that scene. <laughs> like, bye bye, doll. <laughs> love that. I'm like, oh, I wish Magda was my nanny. She's yeah. Like the best nanny. I love her. That that whole thing, like, mm. is just so hard. You know, you know, I was raised by a single mother. Like, you know, I just it really makes me feel I, I think it is such a tough thing, you know, like definitely raised by a lot of nannies. I think my mom used to be jealous of my relationship with the nannies. You know, I'm a working woman. I hope to have kids someday. It's just, it's intimidating to see what it can be like. Like, Yeah, they do. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good depiction of it. And um, yeah, I mean, Miranda's trying her best. Like she's uh, the breadwinner and she's a single mom at this point in the series. And yeah. So what, you know, she can only she's self-reliant. It's just it is what it is. But yeah, it's heartbreaking. She, yes. Yeah, she loves her job, too. So she's not someone who's like, oh, OK, well, I'll just be home. She's like she also loves what she does. It seems I think in the past, having kids was just like an automatic thing that everyone just did without even thinking. It's just what you did. And then. It's complicated now that we have more awareness and choice and birth control and options and women are working because it's like there is I think it's complicated because there is a part of me that's like and I would want to work. But there's a part of me that's like if you're truly gone all day, all day and you just kiss them on the head. Good night. Like what is what is the what is the parenting (laughs) like? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, both of my parents worked and they worked at the same company and I was very very close with my nanny growing up she was like a grandma to me and still is to a degree so yeah but I mean I remember her like taking to my she she took me one time to see my parents at their office and I remember it was like just a quick visit and then my mom like had to go back to work and I was like so hysterical to like go home after that without her and yeah some of that stuff is uh yeah it's devastating yeah I think it's like from what I've seen in movies and like read and stuff, it's like just being in a perpetual state of guilt, like guilt that you're not doing better at work, guilt that you're dropping the ball at home. And I I feel like it's an interesting phenomenon that I don't think I don't think men are impervious to it. I do think that lots of working men do wish they had more time to spend with their kids. But I think beyond the personal wish, I don't think there's as much social pressure that it means they're being a bad dad or something. Right, right, right. Well, especially if it's just like, yeah, he works a lot. It's like, yeah, Yeah, it's just it's yeah, I feel like this the stage has been set for that kind of dynamic. But yeah, it's it's really hard. And I also just felt like even that scene earlier with the bosses, like clearly Miranda is extremely bright, very hardworking, very talented. And I just feel like if. If you have a long term employee who has proven themselves time and time again, who like had a baby five seconds ago, it's like really there's no extended goodwill to just let them catch their breath. It just seems so cruel, honestly. It's also like outdated office culture, because now I feel like at least what I've read about, like especially like tech companies or like working at Facebook. I have a couple of friends who work there. And yeah, I mean, whatever. Facebook has 
its own set of problems. But my point is just the office culture there is, you know, really puts, at least from what I've heard, it really puts the employees and their well-being first. You know, you never have to explain yourself if you have to like leave early or work from That's home unusual, for a while. Yeah. Or, yeah. And they also, you know, they also have the offices. They make them so cush that you don't even want to leave. It's like they have a cold brew bar and they have, you know, tons of meals catered in and anything you want in the fridge. And like, it's just a different environment. But this this particularly where Miranda works is sort of like old school corporate culture. Um which, you know, it, it just seems, it just seems, uh, it doesn't really like, doesn't, it doesn't do anything to really like support your employees. It's like, you guys work for us, not especially your female employees. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad to see it depicted here, but I'm also glad that I do think office culture is changing. Hopefully. I did think it was a little funny that, um, not funny. It was it was a strange choice a little bit to me that they chose to do it in this episode just because there was an episode, I think, while Miranda was pregnant where she was, like, sleeping in her office. And it sort of seems to me that, like, that would have been the storyline to marry the let's go after Miranda for not uh, totally working as hard as she normally does. But I think probably as a f- woman who is having a baby as a lawyer, there's probably all kinds of points along the trail. It's while you're pregnant. It's in your, it's, it's during your maternity leave when you're still getting emails and expected to work. It's after maternity leave when you're back and you're being guilted for, you know, um, I also, I'm curious what you guys think about this, but I thought Miranda busting, um, Carrie's chops about them having a bit seemed crazy because like lots of happy couples have inside jokes and bits and it's not a sign of like danger. No, it's not. But I love I really loved it here. I tell me about that. I loved it because I loved that Carrie it's it's sort of the same thing I was saying before about like how she's like, ooh, uh, the mango in the briefcase. I can't wait to text him about that. Like trying to recreate what they once had in terms of their like. Yeah, you're right. Sort of like banter and chemistry. And I felt that same sort of grasping at straws with this I that's felt so like true you're right she was she was like yeah we have this bit that we do yeah oh my god i saw this mango in a briefcase and i wanted to text him about it it's all kind of like symptomatic of the same problem which is like they need a thing to work and it's like you're there's no one thing you have to do if a relationship is functioning there's no like one little thing that connects the two of you i also think that like you can be like the couple that is like the funny couple, like has bits and whatnot. But if you're in a bad place, then like those bits become kind of sad. But if you're like in a good place, then it's like, oh, that's just their personality. And so I think that's a little what this that beat is driving at. And I, I agree. I liked it a lot for that reason, too. Where it's just like, yeah, yeah, I think that you guys are right. And I think I, I now that I remember the actual conversation, they're talking about all the things that Burger doesn't do. And then when she's trying to think of like the reason that their relationship is good, it's not like he supports me. He's right. there for me. It's like we do this thing when we're pissed at yeah, each other. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, you guys need a bit like I also liked Miranda using like comedy jargon. I like yeah. a- appreciated calling it a bit. Like, I just, I don't know, there's something about it that felt very, like, cozy to me, because I'm like, oh, that's, like, what we would say. Yeah, I, um, to, speaking of that, uh, kind of early on in one, in a somewhat recent job that Kristen had, she 
was describing something that we did together like as a bit to a friend and this friend was like not a comedy person whatsoever and so Kristen also had just ended up having to explain what a bit <laughs> a was bit is, yeah. oh my God. which it, it it's so funny when like we are all so literate in that sort of thing but it's like oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's not necessarily no, intuitive to people. are so savvy about like entertainment that they just kind of know yeah a bit is actually kind of a deep cut a little because bit. I, yeah, I, right. I've had friends who I think do follow comedy pretty closely, and they'll still say like, uh, sometimes they'll skit say like or skit. something. Yeah, skit, yeah, it feels like yeah, skit or sketch or yeah. So I yeah, That's I, funny. I, I I thought bit was there was something just very. It just made me love Miranda in that. Moment. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. So, anyways, okay. Well, uh, the next day, Miranda draws a hard line at her office. She can only really make 50, maybe 55 hours a week work for her. She does get to tuck Brady in that night, and she even made him a little reminder of her for when she's away. She taped photos of herself to his little mobile that hangs above his crib. I also love that scene because she's like, I have to cut my hours. And you're like, oh, my God, she's going to go part time. And she goes, I can only work 50 hours a week. And it's kind of like a joke because yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, what was she working before? Jesus. No, it's yeah. Well, she's she loves her job. She's yeah. Like she's a, a lawyer. Total fighter go getter. Yeah, exactly. So Samantha and Smith, meanwhile, run into another one of his vodka ads, this time with the phrase absolute asshole graffitied across it. He's frustrated, but Samantha says he's got to get over it. It'll get better. But he isn't so sure. The whole thing builds to a group of young teen girls spotting him next to the ad and absolutely swarming him. Samantha was right. First the gays, then the girls. Soon after, Gus Van Sant offers him a part in his next movie, which actually felt like something that would actually happen. Yes. Like from something like this. I thought it was such a great reference. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. And Charlotte heads to the singles mixer to meet David. On paper, he seems exactly like her type, but she passes. She's just not over Harry. Luckily, Harry shows up at the mixer. Out of all the synagogues and all the cities, you had to walk into mine. Harry. How you been? Not good. I miss you. Being away from you just only made it all the more clear how much I love you. Charlotte. Wait, let me finish. I don't care if you ever marry me. I just want to be with you. I would be lucky to have you. So if you can find some way to forgive me, if you could just call me or just ask me out again. Well, that's not good enough. Charlotte York, will you marry me? <laughs> yes. Yes, I'll marry you. Oh. I am so coming back next week. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. <laughs> um, I have a question. Okay, first of all, Please. obviously, this is like, 
This, I cried oh watching God. that scene. I mean, this scene makes this entire episode in my mind oh and my honestly God. makes the whole season. It's probably my favorite scene from the entire season. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty top notch. Um, my question is, now that I'm listening to it, like just the audio, yeah. do you think that Harry knew Charlotte was going to be there? Like in sort of like a fanfic type way? Like, do you think that he just happened to be at the mixer and he had the ring on him? Or you think he like, knew she was going to be there, brought the ring and like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's a great question because I don't remember visually seeing a ring, but I don't think if we he, see the ring. We don't see it, but we knew he had yeah. it because he says at the end of that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did we see him put a ring on her finger in that scene? Not in that scene. No. So oh. he may not have it with him. Okay. So he might, he might not have had it with him. But I also... To your point, Jamie, I thought that this was a really well-attended singles mixer. So I also thought that, like, maybe, you just to be there. yeah. Well, I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't totally. I couldn't totally make sense of that. But I think it was a little impulse, which I liked a lot. From romantic comedy-wise, I I sort of like that he did not anticipate seeing her there. Yeah, that's what I think they wanted. I think that's what they were going for. Is that he yeah? Didn't know. I think he's been miserable without her. I think yeah. he misses her. He sees her. She has this. That speech she delivers, that monologue was when she's like, if you could just call me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my I God. mean, it stabs my heart. If you could just call me. I know. I mean, the thing about TV that's different than film, even like though there's obviously incredible, like moving, life changing films is like the reason that this scene is so moving to me is that we're six seasons in. We've seen this person that cares about marriage more than anyone any of us have ever met. It's. She's fantasized about it. She's dreamt about it. It's what she's been groomed to do. And now that she's actually in love, she literally says to him, I don't even care if we get married. And that's when I just start crying because it's like. Great. Such a journey for Charlotte. A hundred percent. Yeah, it is like it. Yeah, it is her character arc. Like that is the arc moment where you're like, oh, my God, like little Miss Marriage is basically like begging him to just hang out with her. Like she does not care about labels for the first time ever. It's so romantic. So great. It's like such a like corny, but like touching example of like love changing people in a good way. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. completely. It's excellent. Oh, God. I it's, love that scene. Such a beautiful scene. Um, OK, well, Rose, take us out of it. So meanwhile, Carrie heads in for one more day of jury duty. The mango guy from earlier breaks out a coconut, which also is like typical racially weird stuff. Like the guy who's not white, like keeps bringing all these exotic fruits in his briefcase. Is he from the islands? It's just kind of like, come on, guys. It's true. It's like he's praying to fruit. It's just kind of like typical, typical sex in the city. Yep kind of like racial weirdness but once she sees that coconut she gets excited and she knows she has to tell burger because it's something that they can bond over and that he will enjoy basically she realizes she's not ready to give up on him quite yet when she gets back home burger shows up and he brought her pink carnations he also wants to make their relationship work they hug have wonderful sex and in the morning carrie wakes up but there's one problem Burger's nowhere to be found. She checks around the apartment and she sees a post-it note on her computer that says, I'm sorry, I can't, don't hate me. The episode closes with Carrie smacking his carnations over in her empty apartment. 
And also just to be clear, the reason he brought carnations is because in the awkward scene where Charlotte joins them at dinner, um, she was saying, wasn't that the whole thing? She yes. said that she hated carnations. She said, except for pink ones, except for pink ones. Right. Yes. Right. So, so he was like, listening. filler flowers. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. So he listened and that was a callback to that. Yes. That brings us to our question of the episode. The next day, I got to thinking about trials and trial separations. In a courtroom, a jury decides the outcome. In a relationship, the victims have to decide their own fate. How can two people mired in the mess ever figure it out? Do we need distance to get close? Mm. Really interesting. I think the I think yes. Sometimes two, you know, Kurt Bronner has a long story about how he and his girlfriend before Lauren, his wife of 11 years, yeah. broke up. And it's something they decided together to, like, try an open relationship. And then eventually they ended up breaking up. And it was kind of them experimenting with distance before breaking up. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a couple mutually saying, you know what, let's let's be a month without each other. Let's be a week without each other. But what I don't like is what Berger did, which is you want to talk to me, but I'm going to make myself unavailable and you have to feel these feelings alone, which I would feel very rejected and abandoned by. And I think that's really different than two people mutually saying we've talked about it. We've went to couples therapy. We've journaled about it. We are blue in the face. Let's just try. I just think it has to be like something that's decided upon together, because if it's just somebody being like, I can't take it, I got to go. Yeah. that's just doesn't feel like a couple making a choice. It just seems like somebody bailing, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because like every person I know who's like taken a see, that's not true. I was going to say everyone I know who's like taken a break. I Breaks think up. has broken up, except. No, I have one friend and she and her. Well, they full on broke up, but mm-hmm. then they got back together. I feel like there are people who break up in my life. I'm speaking from my own, my own experience. I can't yeah. say for everybody, but. In my life, people who take a break break up, but people who break up could get back together. Oh, that's interesting. Which is interesting. There's something about the pause, I think, that feels indicative of being scared more, to move on. More or is going on or something. Yeah. Like I have friends who they broke up and then um, six months later got back together and now they're like very happily married with a baby. So, hmm. yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what kind of conclusion I'm drawing from this, but the whole notion of like I need to take a break or I need to, you know, I think that distance is kind of the only way to like get your head clear, unfortunately. Um, but I think the way Berger did it just felt very one sided. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. It felt very like on my terms, which makes yes. Carrie just feel alone because it's like, well, you're not asking me how I feel about it. I agree. And also you haven't, they haven't been together that long. So it's like needing a break. It hasn't even been a year. You know, I don't get the sense yeah. that they've been together years and years. No, yeah. No. I get the sense this is relatively new and it's, it's just a handful of working. months. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, you don't need a break. This isn't working. Yeah. I think it's also totally fair if there's a couple and one person is feeling less interested than the other, that that person can say, I'm going through something. I can't even put my finger on it. I think I actually do need to be by myself for a month and think about it. That is fair to me because that person is opening up. I think what I didn't like about the burger thing was it's like 
we're having a fight and I just don't want to talk about my yes. feelings kind of I'm going to the Hamptons deal with it. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think I'm sure there are cases where people took a break and reevaluated I'm and sure. decided to come back together. I'm sure it goes all kinds of ways. Yeah. I feel like more people need to talk about that because the fact that neither of us really have examples, I, it would be nice to have more examples. It would be nice to see that work and, or if it doesn't work, why didn't it work? I think people are also scared to take a break. Like I know someone, um, I have a friend who wanted to take a break to figure out her feelings, but knew that her partner would just be like, fuck it, then no, then forget it. And so she was never able to have that break. Um, and they're still together. But I think she would have liked to have one. But then again, when you're in a relationship, it's not just you. If your partner says, if you want to break, then just forget about it. Then yeah. then you have to think about if you're ready to do that. This is the thing, though, in relationships, like looking at Carrie and Burger, it's like I'm sitting here being like, oh, Burger, well, that's not the cool way to handle it. That's not the cool way to handle it. It's like, if he's really feeling that, though, what, you know, like, yeah, I'm not right. saying it's the right thing to do. I'm not condoning. But it's I hear like, what you're saying. There is something. It is so hard in a relationship to not be selfish to a degree when it comes to just honoring your feelings because you really are just talking about yourself. You're so right. It's like this weird thing where it's like you're supposed to like, you know, we want to be as considered as possible, considered as possible. But to a degree someone's going to get selfish at some point if it's not working. And it's not because they are selfish. It's it puts you in a position to be selfish, I think. You know, what? I do think you have a point there, because it's like if you're feeling completely emotionally overwhelmed and you literally need to get your head clear, I just I think that people do have to do what they have to do. Um, and generally that indicates if you have to do that in a bit of a Tasmanian devil kind of way, then it probably indicates that that person is not really ready to be in a relationship, you know? Yeah. And look, with Burger here, it felt like that dinner he had where he was just kind of like up Carrie's ass about everything. Um, I think it was building to him being like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, yeah, it was like laying the groundwork for like, it wasn't going to be like a fade out, like a calm fade out. It was like, ah, I got to go. You're right. And I think because it's so one sided, I think a lot of this fighting is is initiated by Berger. It is. I think he needs to. I think it's almost like he may not have the language for it, but he's like, I need to go and find out why I'm being such an asshole and yeah. like clear my head because this isn't really about you. It's like fully about me. Right. But he's, you know, that's why being in a relationship with someone like that's so awful, because not only are they in and out, but it's like he also doesn't even have. You know what I always think is if people had the language to explain themselves, they wouldn't have acted that way in the first place, because if he mm -hmm. could have said this is all in my head and I'm ruining this and I need to just get a clue to figure out how I'm feeling. If he could have said those things, he wouldn't have acted that way. It's because he can't say those things that he it's like people when they act shitty. It's because they don't know how to express their they don't even know how they feel themselves. Like, right. I yeah, I think what you're saying, Rose, and I because I haven't watched the show, I don't know what happens with him necessarily. But I I have I my assumption at this point is that he's out of the show, I guess. I don't know. But I, I think to your point, had he expressed that, like, this is his shit he's going through. He just is in a bad place and can't sustain the relationship in the fun way that it was that they had it when they started it. He needs to go and deal with it. If he could have expressed that, then the relationship could have sustained. But I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he doesn't he, he doesn't know how to talk about it. And 
he doesn't know where his like anger comes from. I don't yeah. think he doesn't seem like in touch with the Mm-mm. why behind his feelings. Mm-mm. So yeah, I think it just makes it a lot harder. Totally. Um, okay. Well, this brings us to our final segment. Sex in the city is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we are currently horny for Rose. What are you horny for right now? Hmm. I am horny for a show on HBO Max called Hot Dog, H-A-U-T-E, oh. Hot, I guess is the French yes, pronunciation. Oh, it's a Doug. Um, Doug. It is a... Uh, it is a dog grooming competition show. It is... Goes down like butter, smooth as can be. Matt Rogers, who's a delightful, a delightful um, comedian that we love, is the host, and the dogs are great. If you're a dog nut like I am, it's just it's a perfect pandemic antidote. It actually cures COVID if you watch it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Speaking speaking of hot dog, and I totally forgot to say this earlier. I really wanted to when Carrie and big get on the phone at that one moment big calls burger hot dog which i thought was such a he funny does? little yeah, yeah he's like yeah i, I love it burn it was just so like it was how's hot dog exactly it was just like so mean but also so stupid and i like kind of <laughs> loved that like all the way yeah. from california big it was like, a sick burn yeah yeah we gotta roast this guy i don't know <laughs> um jay malina how yeah. what was your horny for this week um, also an HBO show. I'm obsessed with industry on HBO, <gasps> which, yeah, I feel like is not, I don't know. I think it did well critically, but I'm hearing that it like didn't perform, I guess, very well in its first few weeks, which is mm. why they released all of the episodes over Thanksgiving Oh wow! to give it like a binge ability because mm. HBO doesn't really do binge That's series. Interesting. They usually like, you know, release an episode each week for their new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's excellent. It's like Ooh. a very smart show. It kind of has, it's basically about young, like, graduates who are going into finance at a big bank. And they do not pander to people who don't understand finance. It's very confusing. It's oh, a wow. lot of jargon. Wow. Yeah, like, really in the weeds of being in finance. Wow. and. It's just really smart and um it's kind it's definitely horny. Mm. There's definitely some horniness. Mm. Um and it takes place in London, but the lead is American and there are a few Americans who are over there working at the bank. So I don't know. It's I don't even know how to describe it. It's kind of tonally a show I've never seen before. It's definitely a drama. It kind of feels like Euphoria set in finance a little bit. Lena Dunham's involved. I'm not sure how. She directed the pilot. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's really fucking good. Oh, I can't I, wait to watch it. Yeah, I really recommend it. Also, it's an hour long, which is kind of nice. Like, it's nice, juicy, long episodes. Hmm. Yeah. Well, really, I can't wait to really sink my little it. chompers into that one. I would. I really want there to be a second season, and I can't tell if it's doing well or not. I don't know that many people who are watching it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I, need, really I haven't heard too much good. about it, but I can't wait to watch it now. Yeah, we loved it. I was like really, really into it. Oh, hello. Hello. Um, so, yes, that is our episode. And thank you guys, as always, for listening and supporting the show. And I said this before. Uh, I'll say it again. You know, if you know someone who loves Sex in the City, tell them about our show. Word of mouth is huge. It's how people find out about things and yeah, if you know someone who loves the show and might love our podcast, you know, give us a little give us a give little us shout a out to your friend and, and see yeah. if yeah, give us a little jingle tingle and see if 
your friend might dig our podcast. Yeah, feel free. We love you. Feel free. We love you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help a Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod. And follow my co-host, Rose Cerno, on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host, Jamie, at ReallyJamieLee on Instagram and at TheJamieLee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. If you're nasty, it helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production, executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.